0: Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel, And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today, we've got Season 5, Episode 6,
1: Homecoming. Mary, what happened this week? Brandon's really school president now, and I'm so glad we got to see that decision play out and have it explained to us with complete clarity. Anyway, he goes to Chancellor Arnold's house to meet another president. Fernando Quintero of Selenesia is like Chancellor Arnold's BFF. Also, he's visiting because he has liver cancer that needs treatment. That doesn't mean they're not going to throw him a party, though. Brandon meets Kay Whitney and Ben Lerner, Josh's friends from a campus human rights group. They inform Brandon that President Q maybe isn't such a good guy. They call him the butcher for ordering at least 450 acts of torture in his country— Ben is as grossed out that Brandon pressed fleshed with him as I am that Ben used the phrase pressed flesh. (laughs) Brandon is skeptical about their claims, as he just kind of met the guy and he seemed pretty cool. Kay and Ben let Brandon know that they're going to make President Q's visit as unpleasant as possible. True to their word, 12 students show up at President Q's reception party chanting about how he's a murderer outside. President Q leaves the party early, claiming fatigue due to his illness. Claire thinks the situation is super sad. President Q has been a super good friend to her family, introducing her parents and being a big part of her life since childhood. She says her father worked with him to basically install democracy in Selenesia. Brandon tries to find some common ground with the human rights activists. They give him some reading material, and Kay promises tangible proof that President Q is the Butcher. Brandon runs into Andrea at the library to talk to her about what he's read about President Q. Andrea says she would take the account seriously because the only aim of this human rights group is to help people. Brandon goes to see President Q again, who is cooking with Claire. He tastes his sauce, asks like two questions, and says the hardest thing about being president is not being able to please everybody. Kay introduces Brandon to Mon, a former citizen of Selenesia, who was beaten repeatedly to elicit a signed statement against his brother. Brandon asks how he can help. The answer is bringing a civil suit against President Q, which will disallow him to leave the country while investigations take place. But Brandon is the only one with access to him to serve the papers. Claire tells Brandon that if he does it, she'll never speak to him again. Brandon's like, easiest decision ever. He serves the papers to President Q, who accepts them with poise. Somehow, he kept Chancellor Arnold's respect, and Claire decides not to never speak to him again. Darn. Also, Mon thanks him and tells Brandon he's a brave boy. Like,
2: I don't know. Once we talk about this, maybe I'll have a more formed opinion, but I feel like this was kind of very... Like, like, it was, like, a very intense story to have been such a throwaway where, like, truly nothing has changed in Brandon's life.
0: Yeah, and I kind of feel along that point is, like, maybe this should have gone multiple episodes. Like, maybe this should have actually been an investigation rather than just, like, everything kind of wrapping up nicely at the end. And, I mean, I say nicely, like, it's not that nice. But, like, I don't know. It just felt <sighs> – This made it feel more like a procedural or, you know, more like a sitcom or something like that. Yeah. Than a full, you know, series with a season-long plot.
2: Yeah. Well, and even, like, you know, in Mary's synopsis, like Mary was saying, you know, Braden is just, like, president now. And, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I have no reason to believe that he's not just president and that we're not actually going to get to see that play out. And – They're just dropping all this stuff that could have been like big storylines. I mean, maybe we'll get it later, but then it's weird that it didn't come up.
0: Right. And I mean, they even mentioned Alex Diaz and like along the lines of what he was saying. But for all intents and purposes, like Brandon has office hours at this point. (laughs) And so he's meeting with people. So for all intents and purposes, he is legit the president. And apparently either the court thing didn't happen, hasn't happened yet. Or is just swept under the rug.
2: Yeah. I mean, Brandon saying that the hardest thing about being president is not being able to please everyone when like you could say the hardest thing about being president is that people are immediately challenging the legitimacy of your campaign. True. Like, I don't know. It's just, it's weird. And then like his whole, you can't please everyone, like, by everyone you mean you can't please Chancellor Arnold and the human rights activists. Right.
0: Like, so far, the people he hasn't been able to please has been those two, well, one person in one group, and then, I guess, technically, Alex Diaz. But, again, we don't really know the significance of his, I guess, influence. You know, obviously, he was, like, a candidate for um, his party, but, like, how large of a population at the on campus does that make up? Like, I, you know, it – it seems like that was a line that the writers threw in to make Brandon seem relatable.
2: Yeah, I mean, they, like, even with this, it seems like there's a lot of self-importance here and, like, look how important student politics is at this university. And we've talked yeah. about this before, that, like, I had no awareness of mm-hmm. politics at my university. Because, I mean, like, you know, the the episode opens with this police escort coming on campus and we actually see uh, Mon. and... Yoto in the first scene, but like Mm -hmm. you don't actually know who that is. So you're just like, oh, there's, you know, the gardener is stopping work to look at this procession and like it's supposed to be really important. Mm -hmm. But then you see Brandon in a suit, as is tradition, coming to Chancellor Arnold's house with like super secret clearance and being invited in to meet the president of Selenesia.
0: Right. Yep. And he shows credentials like,
2: <laughs> I, it's a way, student ID, right?
0: It has to be because the way he flipped open his little wallet, I, w- I was expecting it to be like how. Oh my god, here we go. Uh, reverse mention, but Supergirl when Alex's like little uh, wallet thing flips to whatever agency she needs it to be. <laughs> so Brandon just has one of those. It's like I need to be this or I need to be that. Here it is. When really it's just like. A drawn picture of I can
2: be here or something. <laughs> it's very uh Ron Swanson.
0: Yes, very much like I forget what he even says, but it's like whenever he authorizes himself to like cook the pig for the barbecue or whatever.
2: Yeah. And it's just like I can do what I want. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. And and so he like goes in. He's introduced to the president, all that stuff. But to me, what was most interesting here is that he was introduced to President Quintero as Claire's boyfriend.
2: And then they just, like, move past it. I know. Like, he's like, oh, boyfriend? And she's like, yeah, I don't know where he's getting that. And then just move past it when, like, we see later in the episode, she's very clearly, like, at least spending time with David, if not officially dating him.
0: Right. And, like, let's not ignore the fact that even if she weren't, Brandon has a steady
2: Serious girlfriend in Kelly. Who is also Claire's roommate. Like, (laughs) Claire is an enigma. She's fun. She's fun. I just, I love so much. She's like, yeah, I don't know where he got that. And then they just keep going. I know.
0: She's like, if I don't make it a big deal, nobody else will.
2: The confidence. Yeah. over absolute confidence in everything that she says.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Exactly. And you know, that's when like they keep walking through the house and she mentions that President Quintero has liver cancer and that he's here for treatment under the guise of, you know, being here on some diplomatic Mm -hmm. mission, I guess, which it's also very odd to me. And maybe this is my ignorance showing that a chancellor of a university, it had been going on these like missions to install democracy in another country, like did he used to be an ambassador or something? Well, and that
0: brings up another point to your argument of there being a lot of self-importance in this episode, because it it seems like Chancellor Arnold is more important than, or at least to himself, he's more important than maybe he is actually to the university. Because I don't really know, um, I guess, the titles of the higher ups at a university. I know there's like deans of colleges and then an overall dean and a president of a university, but I don't really know what chancellor actually means. Maybe it is the president of the university? Not sure. But to your point, why would a random chancellor or president or whatever of a university have connections to a country which we know is a small country, but still it's a whole other country.
2: Well, and we've seen him, like, entertaining foreign guests before. Right. The dignitaries
0: that, that came to Brenda's play. <laughs>
2: yeah. I don't know. Like, I'd be so curious. You know, I listen to Office Ladies, and they always talk about how there's, like, a show Bible that mm-hmm. gives, like, everyone's backstory to make sure that things stay consistent and that there aren't really, like, continuity errors. I would be so Fascinated to see a show Bible for 902 and oh, it'd have to be oh like god. seven volumes.
0: Oh my god, I would love to see for frankly any show Bible, but yeah, especially for shows that span such a long time because you have to be so um uh consistent but what's the word deliberate with your consistency, too. So oh my god, that would be fascinating,
2: right? Because yeah, it's not it, like this is not like Friends where even your, like, core cast stays the same. Like, even the core totally. cast changes significantly. For sure, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I guess apparently Chancellor Arnold in another life, you know, went on democratic missions around the globe, I guess. I don't know. It'd be That would be one I'd be very curious to, like, get a full backstory on. Totally, because I
0: could see it being something like when he was in college or when he was right out of college, he took a passion for humanitarian efforts or something like that. So, th- therefore, he, you know, helped provide aid. We don't know what part of the, co- uh, the co- um, good Lord, the world this country is, but, like, maybe it was to a certain continent or whatever that he just really took a passion for. Mm-hmm. So, that would be interesting to know, especially since they've been family friends for at least as long as Claire's been alive, it seems So,
2: Well, and even, you know, the next thing we see in the story is uh, the co-chairs, Kay and Ben, did I get that right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They come to see Brandon at his office hours, I guess, right, (laughs) and start telling him about the president of Solanysia. And they tell him, like, oh, his nickname is The Butcher. Mm -hmm. And so it's fascinating the idea that the chancellor would have gone to this country that was, like, known for torture – And, like, you know, probably not single-handedly, but basically, like, single-handedly with the president helped turn it around.
0: Yeah, that was where, like, the details were a little muddy because it's like, did regardless if it was true or not, did Quintero become the butcher before democracy, after democracy, throughout democracy? What's the timeline here? And if so, and if the chancellor supposedly – was around to build the democracy side of things and kind of fix things or help fix things, what
2: does he know? Right. Like, that's the thing that kind of got me is, like, there is some, you know, pretty tangible evidence that all of this stuff happened under this man's rule. And, like, Mm -hmm. even if he's a super nice guy, I feel like I'd have a lot of trouble letting him be in my life, let alone be so close to my daughter, Oh, for sure. Knowing that like he was basically ordering people kidnapped and tortured in order to give false confessions.
0: You know, I just thought of, did you guys ever see um, Sicario?
2: No, movie? and John just watched that.
0: Okay. Well, then I won't I won't say it because it, it is a pretty big kind of, not like reveal, but it's just a big plot point in the story. But um, it just makes me think of when you see, um, like think about it, like Ted Bundy. He was extremely charismatic, and for all intents and purposes, a quote-unquote nice guy, but he's a serial killer. Like, that's not to say that, like, when, because basically, moving in the story, they say, you know, Kay and Ben tell Brandon about these, the state of affairs or whatever, and Brandon's all, well, I personally met him, and he seems like a good guy. It's like, okay, but, you know, you can be nice and cordial yeah. to people it's it's called a poker face right and you can be fake to people and still be a brutal murderer like that the two aren't mutually exclusive
2: right yeah there's like a public persona and a private persona exactly like yeah you know going off the ted bundy thing think of how many serial killers had like random ass day jobs and then people are like oh my god i had no idea they would do that thing like right because they're that's
0: the psychopath point.
2: they're yeah. they know how to whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I'm just gonna try not to like go down a whole rabbit hole. Sure. Uh but I do love because yeah, Brandon says that like, oh, you know, I don't really know what's going on, which basically tells me that he never like took an Asian studies class. I'm kind of assuming Asian just because like he was cooking with soy sauce, but that could be really, you know, that could be making a lot of assumptions. But whatever, like he never took a studies class about like foreign affairs. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, well, I didn't hear it, so it's probably not true, which is a very brandon thing to say.
0: Very. And I still think the this guy seems like a good guy comment is also a very brandon thing to say as well. So it's just like maybe he's trying to be an optimist, but it's also like he's writing on his ignorance, but not calling it ignorance. He's just yeah. calling it like, I didn't know about it, so there's no way, like, because I know
2: everything or whatever. Yeah. It's it's the self-importance of like, well, I didn't hear about it. Yeah like, well, did you do research before you met this man? Right.
0: Like you would think he would have prepared a few things like ahead of meeting this guy because you want to make sure that the guy knows that you respect his importance, you know, at the very least.
2: Well, yeah, like you're meeting someone from a foreign country and you're meeting someone who's like really high up politically. Like you don't want to do anything offensive or like that will, you know, get you on their like no-go list and, like, blocked from his super-secret security clearance. Right. But then, yeah, you know, Brandon's saying all this stuff, and Ben says, like, you heard what Alex Diaz said about this guy. You really are a chancellor's lackey, aren't you? Which you yes, know that's going to get under Brandon's skin.
0: Oh, 100%. It's just not incorrect. Like, yes, he definitely is. He is absolutely in his pocket, um, and he's his little puppy.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, like – you know, kind of the whole, like, when you're younger, if your parents believe a thing and, like, they start telling you what's going on in the news, like, you don't watch the news as, like, a teenager. You're like, oh, yeah, well, my parents are Republicans, so I should be a Republican or, you know, whatever, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it feels like with, like, Chancellor Arnold says this is a good dude, so I'm sure he's a good dude.
0: Right, Exactly. Um, and and you know, there's a chance that Chancellor Arnold just doesn't isn't even aware of it, right? Like, I mean, it's a low percentage, but there's a chance that you just don't know um who you're dealing with. I mean, and and that's even the case because then later on we see Brandon and Claire talking about Selenesia, talking about the Quintero, and Brandon is just kind of like, Hey, are you aware of anything bad happening over there? And she's like, "Hmm." no, I've been there. I've seen what it's like there. So again, we've we've kind of got a little bit of a rose-colored glasses situation going on, probably with Claire, because she's just known this guy for so long. And like she said, she's been there. So she's seen probably just the good parts, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. She says she's practically watched them install democracy in the country, which means that, yeah, she saw all the good stuff. She saw all the things they, they were putting in place and probably was never exposed to and never thought to go look at what it was like before her dad got there and all these changes were enacted.
0: For sure. For sure. But, you know, of course, Brandon, I guess, is going to keep digging. Um, And of course, as we heard from the last scene, um, Ben and Kay and the rest of the Human Rights International Group are going to make this stay, this visit, as uncomfortable as possible. So, we get to this gathering, party, whatever you want to call it. Um, and the Secret Service, I guess, for for President Quintero walks up and is like, hey, there's a protest outside. It's about 12 students. You'd be more secure upstairs. And what they're yelling, I mean, that this whole storyline is so weird to me. Just... Yeah. Whatever. But anyway, the, the kids outside are yelling, Quintero kills, just over and over and over.
2: Yeah. And like... You know, they take the president upstairs, Brandon and Claire go look out the front window and they see these people out there. They very clearly see like Ben and Kay at the forefront. And then for some reason, they both go back to CU's campus after the party instead of like to where they live or even like Claire staying at her dad's house. It was weird to me that they went back to CU, but it was clearly... So that they would be there when Ben and Kay came over and Claire's really upset about the demonstration. Brandon is trying to be very diplomatic of it, of like, well, at least it ended peacefully.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then Ben and Kay show up and are like, man, you really should have been at that demonstration. Josh would have been there. <laughs> and then Brandon says, I was there. I was inside. Which, Brandon, that
0: that's not what they, A, what they mean. B, was important. Like, that's trying to, like, brag your way out of this, my dude.
2: <laughs> That's the, like he's very clearly trying to like say something but what he's basically saying is like yeah I was there I'm in the exact opposite side of this issue as you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then you know he he like asks for more proof of what was happening in Selenius. So they hand him their report on all of these like human rights violations that have happened there and Claire is like I've had enough of this. I'm leaving. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And Brandon starts flipping through and is like, okay, I'll read it. But like, I need more proof like in front of my eyes. Mm -hmm. Because that's kind of Brandon's thing is like, I don't believe it until I see it.
0: Yeah. And at this point, there's no one – none of the people that have been telling this stuff has happened is the kind of person that he then would believe enough to then be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we always talk about like Brandon needs to be told what to do most of the time or told what to think. Mm -hmm. And so far, all of the people – that would usually be that influencer on Brandon just isn't on the side of the Human Rights International Group. It's uh, Claire, Chancellor Arnold, who have been saying what he needs to believe. So he's believing it.
2: Yeah. And like, you know, we don't even get Jim and Cindy until very much later in this episode. But like, you have to think that they're on the same side of like, this is a great opportunity for you. Because if they were against it, we probably would have seen them a lot earlier.
0: I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so moving forward, Andrea runs into Brandon at the library while he's doing research and things like that, and so they kind of chat. And Andrea is a big fan of the Human Rights International group. So, you know, she's obviously like, well, yeah, if if this is such a small country, if this is such a, you know, I guess blip as compared to what's happening right here you should probably take it a little bit more seriously what what other agenda does the human rights international have other than protecting human life and human rights which and i just thought that was an interesting point
2: that's interesting and while you were talking about that i just had a thought you know yeah she says like human rights international they they have no agenda other than human rights but what about the animal activists from last season well,
0: now we know Andrea's pro human being.
2: Just like I mean, I I value Andrea's opinion, like I I get where she's coming from of like they have no agenda other than exposing, you know, crimes against Human rights and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like literally last season, there were animal activists being like, you're testing on animals and that's wrong. And she's like, but I'm testing on animals for the babies.
0: Right. And maybe, maybe it was like a point that they had to have Andrea make because Brandon listens to Andrea, you know, like if Steve or Donna or even Kelly, quite frankly, were to say exactly what Andrea said. It wouldn't, wouldn't have, have landed. Yeah, exactly. So it's almost like that whole thing of Brandon needs to be told what to do and what to think by the people that he values their opinion. And Andrea just happens to be one of them.
2: Yeah. No, I just, I I literally just thought of it while you were talking about how she said that. I was like, but she hasn't thought that before.
0: It was like a throwaway line in, in the show book that we were talking about. <laughs> They're like, people won't notice.
2: <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. I was so I was listening to the 902 and O show earlier and they were talking about the like double standard of the first time Brandon had sex and the first time Brenda had sex. And I know that we had talked about that pretty extensively of this like double standard. And like, I don't really want to call it an excuse, but kind of their excuse for it was like in the very early bits of the show, no one was watching it. So they got away with stuff. And then as people started watching it more, more people at the network cared. And that's why they had to have, opinions on brando and like brandon had sex in like episode three
0: i mean it makes sense like not from a i don't like that they just had to fit this mold kind of situation mm. but at least it is logical
2: <laughs> but yeah, like i could see like even the way these are written being like well andrea has to have this opinion on this and like right. we're gonna ignore what she has said before because that was less important Exactly. Like people cared less of that one. The The big story in the animal rights was Brenda being arrested by the FBI, not the animal rights.
0: Yeah. It wasn't about the issue. It was about Brenda. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then later on, we get a scene with um, President Quintero and Claire in the kitchen of, uh, I guess, Chancellor Arnold's house. And Brandon gets there. And I guess, I don't. I didn't even write down what Claire and Quintero were talking about before Brandon got there. But Basically, this is where Brandon talks about having, or uh, the hardest thing about being president is to please everyone. And then Quintero says, like, if you like, in order to be a good leader, you have to have thick skin. Thick skin, and then says the whole, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen situation, which is true. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think that's untrue, and I think it's something Brandon's gonna have a hard time with being president—not just the pleasing aspect, but Having thick skin, I think he thinks he has thicker skin than he actually does. But let's be real. He's pretty sensitive to like people being mad at him, even oh, he, if he hides it by getting more mad at them and then blaming them and they end up apologizing to him.
2: Yeah. No, he is absolutely like a very sensitive guy and I I do think he tries to pretend he's not where he's like, yeah, I can be Mr. President. It's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. – Like, people are already mad at you, and the second they got mad at you, you were like, well, fine, I'm just not going to do it anymore.
0: Right, exactly. Oh, Brandon.
2: Yeah, because, I mean, like, I get what they were doing with that scene of, you know, if you can't stay out of the heat, get out of the kitchen from one president to another. And then before he even came in, President Quintero and Claire were talking about how her dad doesn't cook anymore and how, like, she's a constant reminder of her mother to her dad. Like, it's supposed to be a lot of, like – humanizing President Mm -hmm. Quintero and making it like, okay, well, you can see the facts on paper that he ordered all these people tortured, but then you meet the man and like, he's cooking you shrimp and being like, taste this sauce I made. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, Brandon leaves this like, you know, really nice time that he's had with the president. He goes back to campus and the human rights People come in with Mon Yoto and are like, hey, this is Mon. He's from Selenesia. He – his brother used to write for like an opposition newspaper and they grabbed him off the street and started torturing him so that he would say that his brother planted a bomb in a uh, government building. Yep. And like, you know, Kay is explaining all this stuff and Brandon's like, well, I want to hear it from Mon – and I got really scared that she was going to be like, he can't talk because I ripped his tongue out. Ooh. I don't know why, but I was just like, oh my God, he's not speaking because he's been tortured so much. He doesn't speak anymore.
0: I mean, that would be a very handmaid's outcome. So I get it. Like,
2: <laughs> And I think that's it. I think I've seen that happen in other shows. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh no.
0: Yep. See, I didn't go quite that dark. I just thought he maybe couldn't speak English.
2: <laughs> that probably would have made a lot more sense, but no, I yeah. was like, no he literally can't speak yeah but no then
0: he he does he tells his own story he talks about the emotional side of it he talks about how terrible it was and then he literally unbuttons his shirt and shows like scars and bruises or not bruises but scars and like bullet burns wounds and yeah like all of this bad stuff all over his body front and back and so you know apparently they say that Quintero ordered. That himself, that torture himself. So it's a big, big, big shock. And you can see that all over Brandon's face.
2: Yeah. And like his face, you know, all of that is really like we cut away from that to, you know, go to another scene. And then when we come back to Brandon, he's with Jim and Cindy at home in the kitchen telling them that the human rights organization has filed a lawsuit against the president and that if they serve him, you know, he won't be able to leave the country. He'll have to stay in the U.S until the court case gets resolved Mm -hmm. but in order to serve him like you have to physically serve people papers and nobody can get close to the president because of security and jim is even like oh my gosh it's great that they want to you know hold this against this guy like he needs to pay for his crimes and then brandon's like i'm the one that has to serve him and jim and cindy are immediately just like this is serious business and i don't think you should do this
0: Right. They don't want him
2: to get involved with a potential war criminal. Yeah. And like, I get it. like, it was, you know, kind of funny, not funny to me that they were like, this is so great. This needs to happen. And then as soon as Brandon was involved, they were like, okay, it needs to happen, but you need to stay as far away from it as possible. But mm-hmm. like, they were just talking it up. Right. But the, but then, yeah, like, Cindy makes this comment of like, Brandon, you're, you're just a student. Like, you don't need to be doing all this stuff. And Brandon's like, You know, who tore down the Berlin Wall? Who stood in front of the tanks in Tiananmen Square? They were all students, which, like...
0: I get his point. I get his point. Like, he's just trying to say, look, like, if I don't do it, who else will? Like, that's the thing is, like, at some point you have to make the decision and be the brave one and be the one to stick up for what you believe in, which I have a whole other issue with because he just believed this five minutes ago.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's, like... You know, there are a lot of questions about Brandon being like wishy washy and like a flip floppy kind of a person. But, you know, when it comes down to it, and he's like, okay, I've seen it, I believe it, like I have the evidence that I needed, and someone needs to serve this man his legal papers, like I'm gonna do it. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, to be fair, he that same night, I guess, he goes to the beach apartment to talk to Claire and tells her his plan. Which I can't – like, I do feel like he was doing it to be like, I want you to find out from me before all of this goes down. Mm-hmm. But he has to have known that if he told her, she could have ruined everything.
0: Oh, for sure. She, she could have literally had told her dad, who then told Quintero, to then leave the country. Mm-hmm. Like, if it – you know, if, if it was that serious or whatever. And – Yeah, I'm a little conflicted on whether or not he should have done that. Um, On the one hand, it's, it's to cause drama between Brandon and Claire when there previously hadn't been any. But I don't understand the importance of that at this stage in our story.
2: But, like... There is a lot of drama between Claire and Brandon. Remember her relentless stalking of him last season that we've just accepted was adorable or something? (laughs) Like, there has been drama between the two of them.
0: I mean, you're right. It just wasn't... It wasn't, like...
2: It it wasn't international war (laughs) crimes. Right, right, right. The stakes had to be raised. Of course. And, you know, I... I guess it's, like, the next day. I don't – it gets a little fuzzy at this point, like, how many days have passed to me. Mm -hmm. But he ends up going to Chancellor Arnold's house. He, like, sees the security out front. They're like, oh, yeah, you can go on in. The uh, chancellor is sitting there and, like, uh, Claire did tell him what was happening. And it's, like, a very uncomfortable moment with Brandon and the chancellor. And then the president comes in and he makes some comments that are – Hitting a little too close to home of just like, my country's not as old as yours, so it's a lot more obvious of all of the horrible things that we did at the beginning of our country. I'm like, oh yeah, the U.S. has done some not great things too.
0: Right. Thanks for shining that light back on us, bruh.
2: (laughs) And like, that's, it's a really good point and I feel like it's a pretty bold decision for the 90210 writers to put that in here.
0: I think they probably thought that it would go over so many people's heads and like wouldn't be that big of a deal because, because of the length of time, right? Like because America is quote unquote so old, not that old, yeah. <laughs> that it doesn't matter as much. Like it's in the past. The people living now have nothing to do like that classic stupid argument. But I don't know. I just thought that it was bold. But I I think they probably hoped that it would just, like, go over people's heads.
2: (laughs) Well, Yeah, I think it's a lot of, like, what I did was not that bad because think about what your country did. And therefore, like, Brandon's like, oh, yeah, you aren't a bad guy. Because even then, like, the president's like, oh, I think you have something for me. And Brandon gives him the papers and he just, like, accepts them very gracefully. And that's what Brandon took away from this whole situation.
0: Yeah, because then he even says, like, there's always a price or whatever. And it's like – So Brandon took away from this that
2: Quintero has integrity. Yeah. (laughs) And like, even when he's back with Jim and Cindy watching the news at home and they're talking about how the president is resigning his post due to health reasons, they don't mention the subpoena on TV and Brandon's like, oh yeah, you know, he's probably not even going to make it to trial because he's so sick. And like... Truly, like, that's what they have to take out of this, not that he is a war criminal. Or that and he that- helped potentially take him down. And that's, like, if I were Jim and Cindy, I'd be like, do we need to get you protection? Right. But, but no.
0: No, he's going to die soon, so it's fine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then Brandon goes to homecoming – And Monioto is on campus and stops him and thanks him profusely and calls him a brave boy. And then we get like the last lingering shot of Brandon walking across the student center alone. The end. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It was just – like I said, it it felt more like a procedural like this is just the story of the week. It's not a – Any story that furthers the plot at all, with the exception of perhaps, I guess, solidifying that Brandon actually is the president, but we still don't really know if any of the court proceedings are still going to happen. So it just didn't really do anything for me. Yeah,
2: same. I just, it was fine. It felt a little forced. And like, yeah, it's weird to try and squeeze these things into a 42-minute show when you also have three other plot lines. Like, that's the thing that always gets me.
0: Well, that and you have – what are we on? Episode 6. So you have 26 more episodes. And again, that's when it feels like, all right, let's chop it down by 10 episodes. Like If if you're filling up episodes with stuff that doesn't matter, don't do it. Don't order 32
2: episodes. I mean, we could wish, but we've got 30 episodes for like five more seasons. It's just –
0: bananas how we went from like not okay so in the beginning of episodic television I want to say the tv shows that really started that were like Dallas and Wings and Dynasty and things like that so we went from having a general consensus that about 20 to 23 episodes would be your norm to then 30 30 plus for 90210. And now we get like eight to twelve <laughs> per season.
2: Yeah. And we have to wait longer in between seasons. Like yeah. it's, the evolution of television is truly a journey. It's wild. I love it. It's so much. Um, but yeah, like I Brandon was the A plot, but there's still like a B C and D plot. Mm-hmm. It's bananas. So, Mary.
1: Andrea puts Hannah down for a nap and hopes to use her hour or so of free time to snuggle with her husband, but Jessie is studying. Andrea brings up her irrational jealousy over the women at work, saying that flirting for more tips is seedy. Also, she just wants attention. Jessie is like, Andrea, we are fine, dismissing her concerns without even looking at her. Andrea goes to the laundromat where a med student named Peter gives her change for a dollar, Peter assumes Andrea is babysitting and not just some mom. She does not correct him and enjoys his attention. When Andrea gets home, she finds Jesse waiting for her with candles and wine. He tells her he skipped work so they can have some time together. While Jesse takes Hannah to her crib, Andrea pulls Peter's phone number out of her pocket and throws it in the trash. Yeah, I mean, that basically covers it. Yeah, I like. mean, the
0: only thing like I would say extra, it's like, Jesse was saying literally what we said, I think, last time, where it's like he literally says a good bartender flirts with his customers.
2: Yeah. And, like, it's just – it's one of those things where you can tell that Andrea has worked, like, hourly jobs where she is not reliant on tips and, like, what people think of her.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And, you know, like, the idea that she was like, I'm worried about us, and he was like, we're fine, and didn't even look at her. Yeah. If – if John did that to me, I would be furious.
0: I would just be like, "Oh, are we? Then why can't you look at me? Like, right? Uh, I yeah,
2: I would have made it a much bigger deal, and like <laughs> I so sometimes John'll be like looking at his laptop and I want his attention, and I will put my face right in front <laughs> of his face. I will hover like, three inches away from him just so that he will turn to look at me, and then I'll say what I wanted to say.
0: I do the like, same thing, but with Nate's Kendall, and I'll just put my hand over <laughs> the words, and it's like you can't read it, can you? <laughs> right? Like,
2: I just I just want you to look at me. That's all.
0: Yeah. yeah. Give me some courtesy here, dude who can't multitask.
2: Yeah. So yeah, like if you know, I was Andrea, and I said I was worried about us, and Jesse was like, "We're fine," and didn't even look at me. I would walk over and just like close his book and be like, "Are we fine now?" Yeah. Exactly. God. Like, I would start that fight. (laughs) I mean, to be clear, like Andrea has started that fight. This is a continuation of a fight we didn't see.
0: Well, and it's almost like, it's like for a second, I'm like, you're being irrational. And then the next part, I'm like, I get it, girl.
2: (laughs) Right? Like, I I do think that her saying that him flirting at work being seedy is like too much. But if this is something that she's uncomfortable with, you both have to address this and like not just be defensive about it like we were.
0: No, a hundred percent. Yeah. No, I mean the first step to like having a successful argument is to not get defensive and like they both get defensive regardless of what anyone says. I mean Jesse does give the whole like repair signals vibe where he's like, look, I'm really sorry. You know, I know we have a lot on us like yada yada yada. So it's like he he at least does that and Andre's just full tilt like no, this is bad. (laughs)
2: And then, yeah, she she goes to do laundry and she runs into Peter and they bond over, you know, both being interested in medicine and like she accepts his flirting very specifically because, you know, she's so mad at Jesse, right? Like I I think she feels justified in flirting with this guy because Jesse flirts with people at work even though like his flirting is a job and your flirting ends up in this guy giving you his number and like lies and all of this kind of stuff. And I also thought it was a little rude that Peter was like, "Oh, you must be going into pediatrics because you're babysitting."
0: Yeah. That was like a classic like if you're going to be pre-med as a as a woman, you stick to obstetrics or pedi- pediatrics.
2: Yeah. Now, like as soon as he said that and she kept talking to him, I was like, "Well, I don't like Peter. Yeah, I'm out." <laughs> Catch me never, man. (laughs) Right? And then at the end of it, she goes home. Jesse's playing this whole romantic evening. And he, like, starts telling her about how he didn't go to work. And she, like, walks in all excited about it. And did you guys, like, it's pretty obvious that she left the door open with Hannah just, like, in the doorway.
0: I did notice that. I was like, okay, so Hannah's outside. I didn't notice it until Jesse was like, oh, let me put this little one to bed. And it's like. She's outside.
2: <laughs> I was staring at her. Like, I did not give a shit what they were saying. Let me just get the kid off the porch real quick. And <laughs> yeah. like, where was the laundry?
1: Did she bring yeah, the she laundry for- in
2: before the kid?
0: Or she forgot the laundry, too. <laughs> and it's like, fuck, I spent a
2: whole dollar on that. <laughs> All that laundry's gone. Yeah. No, I I could not stop staring. I was like, the baby is all the way back. What if she just like rolled outside?
0: Oh, my God. Uh, she could totally escape her little like stroller. Because think about it. Back then, because I guess Hannah is a little bit younger than us. That's weird. Oh, yeah. She's like, what, three years, three or four years younger than us? Oh, my. Yeah. So strange when you think about it like that. But anyway, I was just thinking like when we were kids – Comparing the strollers they had then to the strollers they have now, like I'm looking at the stroller that my nephew has and it's like, you've got, it's like jaws of life to get him out of that thing. Like you, you got all the zips and, the, and the, the, the snaps and the, the, yeah, it's crazy. So I'm like, Hey, I could absolutely get out of that stroller. Like if right. I could like reach over and pull my sister's shoes and socks off and still be attached to my stroller, she can get out of it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I used to do that all the time. My mom <laughs> loves telling that story. I wouldn't pull mine off, but I'd pull hers off.
2: <laughs> That's so adorable. I didn't even think about the fact that, yeah, you'd be like in a little stroller together. Yeah. Like we'd
0: just be sitting next to each other. And then I just like randomly pull off her shoes and socks. And then <laughs> I just look at my mom and I go,
2: uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> what did you do? Did you just like drop them on the ground? And you're like, well, I guess you got to go buy more shoes now. Yeah. I just drop them. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. That's adorable. That's the first sign
0: that shows you that uh, I need attention. <laughs> <laughs> my sister didn't care at all. She's just like, whatever. And I'm like, look at me. Look what I did.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. Yeah, that's, that's uh, everything Andrea did this episode. Yep. Let's move on.
1: <laughs> Mary. Ray pops up to say goodbye to Donna because he's done earthquake-proofing. See you. He flirts and Donna likes it, but she confesses she sort of has a boyfriend. Ray says he can compete with sort of. He and his hedgehog hair give Donna— Er, sorry, I gotta read that again. (laughs) He and his hedgehog hair get Donna to give him her phone number, and I guess he's smooth, but I don't like him. Donna tells Kelly she's gonna go out with Ray. Kelly tells her to be careful because he might be a murderer, which true, but I feel like Kelly's only saying that because he's a construction worker. Like, how do you know Spain wasn't Griffin's alibi for his murder spree? (laughs) Anyway, Donna says she'll be fine because she likes Ray and she trusts him. Ray picks Donna up to take her to their surprise date, and she sees a huge knife in his glove compartment. She begins to think Kelly might have been right about the whole murderer thing but she's pleasantly surprised when they end up at his family's pumpkin stand instead of a ditch or something. They carve pumpkins and snuggle baby goats and kiss instead of going to that other thing Donna was going to do with her sort of boyfriend. No regrets. Even later when Griffin was like, I missed you while I was doing crime, and she was all, aw, yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
0: Donna. Oh, my God. She's just not the type
2: to date multiple people at one time <laughs> she's really not like i think kelly even calls her out on that at one point yeah and i'm like yeah it's it's kind of weird to see like sweet baby angel donna start dating two guys just because she's like not a hundred percent committed to griffin
0: right and like i mean don't get me wrong i also was a serial monogamist so i get it like it would just give me too many heart palpitations to like try to manage this
2: <laughs> right and like you know donna is not committed to griffin like if she mm-hmm. wants to date other people she should feel totally free too as long yeah, as they sure. haven't like defined the relationship and she's just going out on like especially like, if they made donna cheat on somebody right after david cheated on her i'd be so mad
0: oh yeah for sure i think I think it's fair to say Donna just doesn't really – I mean she even says like I don't know how serious we are. So I think it's – I totally agree. If she had done that immediately after, it w- A, it would not make sense and B, it would have made us so, so mad. So yeah, I'm good with this for now.
2: Yeah, and I mean like I, I do think that part of it is because we don't often see people flirt with Donna the way Ray is like – I don't think his flirting is good when she says she's working on a promo video for admissions and she needs to find the prettiest parts of campus. And he's like, well, you should just put up a picture of yourself. You're the prettiest thing I've seen. Like, that's cheesy. Are
0: you a 10? Because you're the only 10 I see. Like, it's, yeah.
2: It's, yeah. It's, uh, what is
0: it? I'm from, I didn't even say that. Are you that, from right? t-
2: that's, that's how Ray would say it. <laughs> <laughs> you used to be like, uh, yes? <laughs> yeah. I, I am Sharon.
0: alone <laughs> uh anywho. um yeah, like I just she calls him smooth. I don't think he's smooth. I still have the same feelings as it did last episode. I'm like, you are a wet blanket, sir, and uninteresting, and your voice annoys me
2: yeah i I still can't pinpoint exactly what it is about him that I see like i don't I don't really know. And then
0: he's, he's so like squinty eye when he talks. Like he always looks like he's cutting his eyes at you.
2: I, <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing is like his face doesn't really change that much, and I think yeah. he's supposed to be like mysterious construction worker man, but like I don't, <laughs> I don't get it.
0: Yeah, I'm just not into Ray. Maybe I know too much.
2: Yeah, I mean that's like it, so. The thing is, they're not really giving us anything about him. Like True. he calls later to ask her on a date. She says that she likes him and trusts him. Kelly says she's a he could be a mass murderer, which I agree with Mary that Kelly might just be saying that because he's a construction worker. Like, just because you go to school with someone does not make them safe.
0: no, yeah, for sure. Um I also, though, while I agree with you guys, I also am just curious if, like this is another situation where Kelly reads into a person. And has the right opinion and no one believes her.
2: Okay, but the only thing with that is Kelly has not met him. She's never seen him before. So they could could be doing that. They could be doing that for her character. But she's never met him.
0: That's true. It was Claire that was with Donna when they were doing the interviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: No, that's a good point. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. So, So yeah, this is all just assumption
2: based on his profession. Yeah. And like What do you know, like, the, you know, she, she has no leg to stand on because the people that they've known that they've dated have not been good. She dated John Sears and he was an absolute creep.
0: Also, didn't she date someone that kind of did construction? Do we remember Jake?
2: That's different. (laughs) He's a main character on Miller's Place. He's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and he was also old and she was 17.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We've forgotten Jake already, even I though mean, he has his own
2: show. Anyway. Yeah, no, that is that is a solid point. But she <laughs> She's gets just to, very distrusting these days. She is. And, you know, we think that's fair. I don't think she has any reason to actually think that's fair because she doesn't know about Dylan and his money. Right, exactly. And then even with Valerie, like we'll talk about it when we get there, but like she's already just like, ready to get over everything that's happened with Valerie. Yeah. Yeah, she is. But but anyway, she gets under Donna's skin. And when Donna and Ray are in the car later, we see them, like, talking about a tape. Adorable that it was a tape. <laughs> he he's like, hey, can you put that back in the glove box for me? And when she goes to do it, she sees a knife sitting in the glove, like a giant hunting knife. And then he's like, well, we're going to a surprise place, so close your eyes. And then she does. <laughs> Yeah,
0: she's, like, feeling apprehensive and then doesn't think twice when he says, close your eyes. Like, you don't have to, girl. He can't see you. He's got to keep his eyes on the road. Keep one what? eye open. Movie magic.
2: Right? <laughs> like, prepare your exit. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's all fine because he took her to a pumpkin, pumpkin patch and is, like, can't carve pumpkins without a knife and then pulls this giant knife out of his car. And, like, it doesn't have a sheath. You didn't, like, have it at – like, the pumpkin patch should have knives if you're going to – like, carving tools come in those, like, shitty little books with the, you know, designs.
0: And think about it. The knife they give you is, like, the teeniest, flimsiest little knife. You don't need a bowing knife that could do a foot to cut a pumpkin.
1: No, that knife is made for like cutting flesh, not pumpkins.
0: Yeah. Yes, like I'm pretty sure I've seen that knife on the current season of Alone. <laughs> like they're musk yeah. muskox with that.
2: Yeah, it's it's a whole like misdirection type thing. But as soon as he pulled out the knife and was like, "This is for pumpkins," I was like,
0: <laughs> "What?"
2: It's exactly what uh, Michael Myers said. <laughs> <laughs> And then he proceeds to basically abandon her for the entire day. Yeah. You never actually see them together. No. Like, he runs around with
0: Aunt Marie or whoever and, like, checks in where Donna is suddenly, like, carving pumpkins randomly. And then again, when he forces her to stick around and
2: go to the petting zoo. Yeah. I mean, like, it didn't take a lot to force her to stay. No. But she was like, oh, I should leave. And he was like, but you haven't seen
1: the baby goat.
0: I was like cool man I'll see you next time like presumably this
2: is here longer (laughs) right
1: I hate to say it but the baby goat would work
2: on me (laughs) I mean I'm not mad about like when they panned over and the goat was on top of the mama goat and just like fell over I was like okay I'm sold I'll (laughs) stay but like it's not a date
0: (laughs) yeah yeah it's like can you come volunteer for the day
2: yeah, he even like leaves her with the baby goats. We see him later have to climb into the pen where she's just been sitting with this goat for presumably hours. Mm-hmm. At which also, point. Go ahead. At which point he says they have a long-term lease. So like, yeah, she could come back later and see the baby goat.
0: Exactly. It's not a one-time, it's not a pop-up shop. Like <laughs> I also think it's hilarious that that like gate or whatever that ray had to climb over he dramatically climbs over it like it's an eight foot tall gate when it's like three feet high he could probably just like droop his legs
2: over and be fine this whole thing was just weird to me like this was not a date this was yeah volunteer labor Mm -hmm. but you can't leave because you don't have a cell phone and you can't call a taxi
0: exactly And so somehow they talk. I didn't even write down what they said. They kiss. And then when Ray takes her home, he's just like, I'm not going to call you. And she's like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) And then I guess he does the whole Ray being smooth thing. And is like, well, I want you to call me next or whatever.
2: Yeah, it's very – it's – It's kind of like the Valerie and Dylan thing where, like, everything is, like, a quippy line and you're just Mm -hmm. like, just just talk.
0: Right, right. Just say, can you call me next time? I want to give you my number.
2: Yeah, like, here's my number. Call me the next time you want to hang out. Right. Done. Not, I'm not going to call you.
0: Yeah. Like, that's that whole, like, putting down a person to then make them do what you want them to do or whatever.
2: Yeah. And then, you know, Donna has bailed on – the B plot of the story to spend all of her time with Ray. And so we see her like link back up with everybody at the end, right before the homecoming game. And that's when Griffin's like, I missed you. And she's like, oh, well, it seems like you guys all did really good. And he, just, he goes, I didn't say we, I said, I missed you. Mm-hmm. And then those, was, and also just because I've said the word homecoming again, I feel so dumb. That last time I was trying to guess what this episode would be about, and it's the homecoming game. I think I've done this before.
0: I don't even know what you even said. I don't remember what you said.
2: It. You thought it. Was. I had. I had no idea. I guessed it would be Brenda coming home, even though I knew it wasn't.
0: <laughs> hey, sometimes words can have a lot of different meanings, and to be fair, homecoming does.
2: No, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I've definitely done this before. I when we did home and away and I was like, that's not oh, about yeah. sports. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Totally
2: about sports. That's funny.
1: Well, that brings us to Steve's gonna steal something. Imagine that. <laughs> this time it's a giant taxidermy bear, the mascot of the opposing team at the upcoming homecoming game. This time, Steve has assembled a team to help him. Kelly, Donna, Griffin, and eventually Valerie. Valerie has some friends in New York who did a thing like this once, causing a distraction with laxative brownies. Kelly and Donna bake brownies while Val goes to bang Dylan some more. She's like, same time tomorrow? And Dylan's like, maybe no, this is getting too regular. Val assures Dylan that she doesn't have feelings, but not before asking who he loved more, Brenda or Kelly. But more important than any of that... The laxative brownie bear heist of 1994. (laughs) Val uses her obnoxiously good lying skills to get the guys guarding the bear to eat brownies. Once they take effect, Munts, who has been pretending to be a janitor dusting the same statue for like two hours, puts a contraption on the bathroom door to keep them inside. Then Steve and Griffin come in with Kelly and Val to carry the bear to freedom. Val borrows Cindy's car to go see Steve, but not really Steve, it's Dylan. When she gets there, Dylan's like, no, I'm doing stuff with somebody else today. Val proceeds to feel those feelings she doesn't have and runs off. At the unveiling of the stolen bear, Val tells Steve this is his one theft that he's done that his dad would be proud of. (laughs) Kelly tells Val she's sorry she's been hard on her and also she's an honorary alpha now. I love how much of a big deal it is to be an
2: honorary sorority girl. Like, they've said this multiple times. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Greek life is just superior. It. I mean, it's truly, like, a big part of this episode, which yeah. I also – I get that colleges have rivalries, and maybe this was weird to me because every college I know of has, like, a live animal mascot. Mm-hmm. It was like it feels very high school that they're gonna go to the other school and steal their taxidermied bear.
0: It made me think of um, the only other college I've seen this happen in was in Boy Meets world when they uh, the um, God what was he called? It was the Pembroke Penguin, um, Pe- Pengy. Oh Pengie, yeah, the Pembroke Penguin, and like Corey was the Penguin, and he like hurt his foot. Because he jumped on the trampoline and fell into the tubas or something. (laughs) Yeah, I know. So dumb. But that's the only thing. So I was thinking about that the whole time. So it made it funny.
2: So what you're saying is TV college rivalries do these things. But real college rivalries are just like, I don't like Auburn because I went to Georgia.
0: Right. Or like, I don't like tech because I have to not like tech because they're in the same state. My yeah.
1: sports team is going to beat your sports team. <laughs> or and sometimes your rival is like literal
0: states away. So it's like you can't just go steal their bear, right? Like,
2: yeah, it would. <laughs> I don't even know what we'd steal if like UGA people came down to tech. I guess they'd steal the car. Yeah,
0: that is one thing we could steal because like they don't actually, they have no live mascot because their mascot is dumb. <laughs>
2: But <laughs> we just come down and steal their, like, hornet's nest.
0: Yes. Like, we just get a little bee and be like, ha-ha, <laughs> got you. But no, it's- the rambling wreck car, we could take. We could take that because it actually works like a real car.
2: I can't stop laughing at the idea of somebody <laughs> running down to Georgia Tech and, like, stealing a bee out of midair. Being <laughs> yeah. like, ha-ha. Suckers. <laughs> but yeah, they're, like – Scouting on Southern California University's campus to steal their Not mascot USC.
0: Not
2: I know. USC. <laughs> and yeah, they they go into I guess SCU's <laughs> student center to see this bear, and they're like, "Oh my god, it's like fourteen feet high and two hundred pounds. We can't do this."
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Which makes Steve like, "I can't go back to Greek Council and tell them we can't do this. We just have to figure this out."
0: Yeah. And he's like, it's okay. This was just a fact finding mission. Now we know so we can make an adequate plan.
2: Yeah. And apparently Greek life at SCU has guards (laughs) watching the bear 24 hours a day leading up to homecoming because the bear was stolen once in 1964.
0: (laughs) That one time 30 years ago, they're not going to get us again, guys. We're going to have security every year.
2: Yeah, and they're, like, talking about this in public, like, at the Peach Pit. There could be SCU people around, but Val walks in. They tell her they have this idea, and she's like, oh, yeah, somebody did this at my school, which is also weird. (laughs) And then she has a plan, but it's kind of cruel, at which point Kelly's like, come sit by me.
0: (laughs) I like cruel. You remind me of Brenda. She was also cruel. Right? I was like,
2: wow, She's talking about how it's something cruel, and you guys are just like, we're in. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's be bad girls. And yeah, we like – so there's a little side part where Valerie goes to see Dylan and is like, you know, I'm not ready to like shatter this good girl image that I have with everybody yet. So I'm going to keep doing things. And then, yeah, it's that weird part where he's like, we should take a breather. And Valerie's like, OK, but first tell me, did you love Brenda or Kelly better?
0: And then he, Dylan says, like, why are you thinking about going blonde? Which I was like, is, is that your answer, Dylan? Did you love Kelly more? Because I don't believe you.
2: I don't and believe him
0: either. I think what would have been a good comment for Valerie to make at that point was, you know, I've always wanted to be a redhead. Like, make it the third choice, you know? mm mm-hmm. So, but she didn't say that.
2: Yeah, this it's just weird. And then, like, yeah, Dylan's like, don't go falling in love with me.
0: Which is the classic, like, she's already in love with him kind of situation. Or, like, what is it? It's in um, A Walk to Remember when Mandy Moore is like, you have to promise not to fall in love with me. And it's like, yeah. mm, well, kiss of death there. Right. Ooh, ooh, bad, 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 bad pun.
2: Oh, yeah. Ooh. My bad. (laughs) 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 Whoops. But yeah, that's like – we see Dylan for like two seconds later in the episode, but that was like after she's devised this plan and told them what to do, then she goes over to Dylan's and like whatever. Mm -hmm. But then Donna and Kelly go back to the beach apartment so that Kelly can make the laxative brownies.
0: And she doesn't know that – seeing brownie on a toothpick means that the brownies are not done
2: i would have laughed so hard if they had gotten to the end of the plan they get to scu and they try to get them to eat the brownies and they're like no these are undercooked there's egg in it
0: yeah they just like pick one up and it just like (laughs) goops down because of the egg they're just like i'm not eating that Yeah, like, sorry I wasn't a chef, guys. Somebody should have told me that there was egg here. Kelly,
2: you should have seen the egg. It's right there. You can see the yolk. It's (laughs) on the box. Yeah. And the cook time's on the box. And it says, like, put a toothpick in, and when it comes out clear, they're done. Right. All of that is on the Duncan Hines brownie box. Exactly.
0: But no, they did not know, so they took a gamble. So this whole plan could have gone completely sideways – but it didn't, thank God.
2: Yeah. So, you know, Donna goes off to have her whole day with Ray. So it's Valerie, Kelly, Griffin, and Steve trying to pull off – and Munts, trying to pull off this plan. So Valerie and Kelly take the brownies over to Keg House where poor Munts <laughs> serves no purpose other than, like, being obsessed with food. And yeah. he's just like, do you think these brownies are safe to eat, which is, you know – them telling the audience that they're full of laxatives, right? AKA, we're poisoning people.
0: Yeah, don't eat it, months if you unless you want to get poisoned. Which and he as Steve knew. eloquently said, "Get the squirts." Ugh. Ugh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so gross. And then you know Donna hasn't shown up yet. They're like so nervous about this plant. They didn't need Donna. Mm-mm. Like, I I would have thought she was a welcome addition but they don't need her but i really love steve being like a good spy has to be punctual and kelly goes she's not a good spy she's a (laughs) reluctant spy
0: i did like that
2: i I like that a lot
0: because let's be real donna's too earnest to actually be a spy so
2: and i mean honestly i don't think donna could poison people no no Definitely. I have a hard time believing Kelly would po- poison people.
0: Oh, yeah. This is this is all Val. This
2: is, this is literally poison. If they got this wrong, they could have put these people in the hospital and they'd have mm-hmm. no reason why they're so sick. Exactly. But, but
0: anyway, the heist has begun. And yeah. I noticed, by the way, that Val's pants were undone again.
2: Like, I don't know if she's setting this trend or if it was an actual trend. I really don't know.
0: Like, I'm just going to, like, just – Start stardom buttoning like feels
1: i saw that on another show recently um so michael um started watching manifest because it's on netflix <gasps> oh. and then we found out that it like there's nothing after canceled. season three yeah and don't talk to me about makes it makes no fucking sense so i
0: don't <laughs> want to talk about it they had a six season
1: plan they sold that to nbc nbc said okay we're gonna do it and they canceled it Literally halfway through the story, they need to just publish the rest as fanfic. I'm convinced because, like, I want to know what happens, it's really me interesting, too. I know, and I feel like Caitlin, that you told me about Manifest at some point because, like, the whole time I was watching, I was like, Caitlin told me about this, I swear.
0: <laughs> but honestly, I've probably told you to watch like a million different things because I all I do is watch TV and sports, so who knows if it was actually Manifest, but I'm glad that you watched it because well, I I've watched really
1: one, <laughs> Um, but anyway, yeah, the um older daughter in that show, well not the older daughter, twin daughter, whatever. The daughter in that show, she does that thing when she's like being in a cult or whatever.
0: Oh, okay. So that was Interesting. like
1: Yeah, it's like too. when she cuts her hair all short. Mm-hmm. 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 But yeah, she did the thing with the with the no button on her pants. Well man. All right. Um But yeah, like their whole
2: plan. Is that Kelly and Val are going to use flirting, more <laughs> flirting, to get these guys to eat poison. And then while they're poisoned, Steve and Griffin will run in and steal the bear and Muntz will lock them in the bathroom. And it doesn't look like Muntz takes the thing off the door. Like, yeah, this is mean.
0: Yeah, whoops. They not only poisoned them and made them poop a lot, but now you can't get out of the bathroom until somebody else gets here.
2: And they don't have cell phones. Right. But, like, these guys are really skeptical of it. They're, like – they immediately try and give them a bite and then Valerie's, like, I licked the bowl too much so I have too many calories. Right. And then Kelly was, like, I'll bring it out in the hives if I eat it. Which, like, then you shouldn't have made them.
0: Right. Why'd you make them? <laughs> what if you get a crumb in your mouth?
2: <laughs> and, like, but – They you know, kind of brush past that, and then the other guy is like, wait, my girlfriend's an alpha, and she said there's no meeting tonight because their excuse was they went to an alpha meeting that inspired them to bring brownies, and then they were like, oh, we thought there was an alpha meeting, so we had brought the brownies, and then there wasn't one, so you have secondhand brownies and lots of effort.
0: Yeah, it'd really break my heart if you didn't just have one. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd feel really skeptical if just two random people brought me brownies.
2: Yeah. Like, don't eat or drink anything from strangers.
0: Yep. Exactly. Just don't do it. But and apparently they they it works. They take a bite and then it just takes a little bit of time and then they really got to go to the bathroom. And thank God Kelly and Val stayed there because the guys are like, oh, she can watch. They can watch the bear. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll watch it. And then months put something just you know like a hollowed out two by four basically Mm. like over the door and conveniently the
2: bear's on wheels i know they were like oh it's 200 pounds it's gonna be so hard it's on wheels (laughs) it took them five seconds they had to get a truck and that was it yep and then yeah success not that like the other like I'm so curious what the fallout of this is going to be when Chancellor Arnold or the dean or the president of the college finds out that his students, who can be very easily identified because they spent like an hour with these guys, feeding Mm -hmm. them poison, stole a bear.
0: (laughs) And that's the thing, too. You know who's not going to get in trouble?
2: Steve. He was
0: finally smart enough to say, I don't need to be the face of this operation.
2: Except for the part when he's in the student center and he's, like, right in front of the bear being like, look what I did.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. But at least in terms of the SCU students, that's fair. they never saw Steve. They just saw Kelly and Val.
2: Yep. That's fair. That's very fair.
0: But, yeah, then they're at the pep rally and they're braggy about getting the bear and
2: that's about it. Yeah. I mean, Valerie and Kelly decide that they're going to stop being so competitive with each other and be friends. Claire comes over and talks to Brandon, even though she said she never talked to him again. They all go to the game. Like everything gets wrapped up in a neat little boat. The only thing that isn't is right after the heist, Valerie goes to see Dylan and he's got another woman over and he's like, I told you this wasn't a thing. Mm -hmm. And like she gets really pissed at him and leaves.
0: And she's clearly hurt by it too. It's not that she's, oh, she's just so like, hurt. well, we had plans because they didn't really solidify that. But she's like hurt by it. Yeah. So she's like, in her feelings about Dylan. So cool, girl. And so cool, huh? Mm-hmm.
2: Also, I thought it was really interesting when, like, so, you know, after the heist, Steve brings her back to the Walsh house. And then he goes to leave and she's like getting ready to go over to Dylan's. And Cindy comes in and is like, Oh, are you, you know, going somewhere? And she's like, Yeah, me and Steve are gonna keep celebrating. And Cindy's like, oh, I just saw Steve leave. And she's like, Oh yeah, he had to go back. Can I borrow your car to go over there? I was like, Cindy, start picking up on this.
0: I know. She just it's all rose colored glasses for her because she has no reason to believe that she's a bad girl. So she's, like, completely solidified this act that she's a good girl, at least to Jim and Cindy. Now, obviously, Kelly saw a chink in her armor, and Steve has not yet. But, like, yeah, she's done a good job with this facade.
2: But Kelly's even, like, getting over it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Even she's like, eh, okay, maybe you're right. Yeah.
2: And that's it. I mean, that's That's the whole episode. Everything gets wrapped up in a neat little bow. Brandon's a brave boy. Everyone's friends. Mm Mm-hmm. And... Dylan's off doing Dylan things.
0: Yep. Still need to figure out what happened, or we know what happened, but ev- the gang still needs to figure out what happened to Dylan and to. Like, that's the thing is, like, no one actually gives a shit about Dylan. Like, that much is obvious,
2: and like that hurts me to mm-hmm. my core. Yep. So this up, ep- like, in terms of quotes of the week,
0: I didn't have one.
2: Okay. That makes me I feel just, better because I was I'm like going through and I'm like all I have is like snippy back and forths.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I wrote down a couple things just to like make it a plot point or that somebody said this, but it wasn't like it was like potentially a quote of the week.
2: Well, I'm like, this is you know, the the A story was like a really heavy one that like didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, fun quotes of the week. They were very like either intense moments or saying things of, like, the hardest thing about being president is not being able to please everyone. Like, Right. It's not like they were intense. And, like, I said this before we started recording, I think, but the whole idea of, like, the A plot was about torture and then the B plot was, like, it's fun to poison our enemies.
0: I know. It was, like, a little too –
2: It was a little too close. It was a little weird. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. But
2: anyway. Yeah. What about you, Mary? Do you have a moment?
1: Um, I was trying to decide if I did. Um, I feel like it was probably Jim and Cindy talking to Brandon. I feel like that's the thing that all of my moments almost have in common is that they almost always featured Jim. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, big Jimbo. Yeah. Uh, But really, it's just Cindy just being like, you're just a student, Like, don't put yourself in danger. You're only a boy, not my baby. (laughs) My sweet baby boy. (laughs) But yeah, it was probably that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense.
1: I like
2: it. I'm for it. Me too. I just, like, we can can feel Jim and Cindy falling further and further into the background, and I do know they leave pretty soon, like, either this season or next season, and I'm just, I'm sad about it.
0: I know. We need that. Oh, maybe my quarter of the week was when Valerie was talking to Dylan and she was like, they're so wholesome in Midwest, it kills me or something like that. Um, Because, yeah, they try to be like that and it comes across like that. At least they're not avocado
2: heads. Right. I would do anything to not be an avocado head, (laughs) even if I had my Midwestern values. Exactly. Uh.
0: All right. So next week we have season five, episode seven,
2: Who's Zooming who? I'm sure Zooming meant something else in 1994, but I'm just like, a meeting? Yeah, teams? (laughs) (laughs) Like, this is actually a question I have to ask at work of, like, who's sending the Zoom link? Because there have been several times where, like... I'll be in a group message and someone will send a Zoom and then somebody else will send a Zoom and then all of us will get into different Zooms and just be like, all right, which Zoom are we using here? <laughs> Who's Zooming who here? Exactly. <laughs> so I guess we'll find out who sends the meeting invites next week. That's right. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can shoot us over an email, whatever your thoughts, questions,
0: comments, or concerns are at Back to podcast at gmail.com.
1: That's B A C K T O podcast at gmail.com.
2: And please tell us if you went to college and your college had a rivalry that involved like defacing property or stealing or like pranks or something. Like, I'm so fascinated by this because that did not happen any of the time I was in college.
0: Yeah. Same, same. That'd be really interesting to know.
2: I think it'd be great. For uh, sure. And, you know, don't forget to go into your podcast app and, you know, rate, review, share, subscribe, all of those different things. Those really make a difference to us and getting seen. Um, If you leave us a five-star review, we'll shout you out on the podcast, you know, all the stuff that I usually plug and, you know, until next week, I am a taxidermied bear. Dang it. I
0: am
1: not a good spy. Don't eat me. I'm not a brownie. Bye. Bye. See ya.